Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Town Social. We've got a lot to talk about, guys, so we're going to go straight into it. With me tonight is Ian Kilroy and Gas K. Guys, welcome. Good to see you again. I mean, the, the only place we can start is the King Warnock reinstated. We, we There were rumours that he was going to be, and lo and behold, here he is. I mean, he, he said... There's no way he was going to stay on for another season, but somehow we've managed to convince him. And I think, I think it's a sensible move to be honest. I think there's there's so much going on off the pitch. It seemed if there was any chance that Neil Warnock could stay on, especially given what he did last season, the miracle he achieved, we were always going to try and get him here. And I think it's in a safe pair of hands. I think, you know. Going into last season, a lot of us feared that we were going to struggle. I'd, I don't really have that feeling with Neil Warnock. Even with the players we've got now, obviously the squad needs some improvements, but I think I can't see his being in the bottom with, with Neil Warnock. And for that reason, I think it's a sensible move. What do you think? You know, I was as surprised as, as you were, Nick. I think... You know, we, we we spoke the last time we were together and we were saying, I'd be very surprised if he does. You know, he was, is he going to leave on a high? He, he you know, he, he shook his head and shook his head. And then the rumours built over a period of time, didn't they? Over sort of a couple of weeks, there was more and more and it seemed to be gaining traction. And then, and then lo and behold, he was, he, he was unveiled out of the blue, really. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a bit of a, a coup for the club in terms of getting somebody with Warnock's experience um and skill back in to help us. Um and with you, I think you know I I'm fairly sure personally he's been looked after because I'm I'm not convinced having listened to the early talking from from our new owner that we're going to be pumping tens of millions into the playing squad. But as I said last time we talked about Neil Warnock, his trademark is getting a better result out of a team, you know, that he makes it much better than the the sum of it parts. So you know that that works. I wonder if he's bought into the project a little bit that you know he sees Kevin come in he was very clear he had a, a strong loyalty to and relationship with Dean Hoyle so whether Dean's played a part in it and asked him to come and help Kevin through the transition to get the club to where it needs to be because what we can't really have is another season of what we really, we don't want is another season of struggle and I'm fairly sure listening to Mr Nagel talking so far neither does he so yeah I, honestly I, I think it's we're lucky to have him and I, and I think we'll be in for another season at least of a team that plays with a blue and white shirt and, and gives it everything in every game, which is all I ever want anyway. So, yeah, I'm chuffed, chuffed about it. Seems strange. Like, Warnock is as open as possible about only wanting to work 12 weeks a year. Kilroy years, Kilroy hours, that's what he's interested in. And he only wants to do a few weeks a year. So for him to change all of a sudden, to agree to come back, kind of came out of nowhere, really. I know people were talking about it, but I've got to be honest, I didn't really believe it. And, and like, even... Sources that you consider pretty solid were suggesting it, and I still didn't believe it until he admitted it, until he confirmed it himself, until he cancelled his his tour dates. And even then, I'm thinking, no, he might just be a bit ill. He might see a bit more holiday after a tough end of the year. But to have him back, it just I didn't expect it. I, I didn't expect it at all, especially because the way we played to stay up is not a system I think you can do throughout the entire season. I've been open about that from the from the off, and it, it's such a labour intensive and project to, to play that way not dictating games but but working as hard as you can just to to overachieve based on what you have 
to do that for a full season is very, very difficult. Warner did something miraculous last season. To me, I think the time here should have been over for him. I, I think he did something so wonderful. It's nice sometimes just to leave on a high. Now, he's definitely only going to be one, here for one year, isn't it? This isn't something where he's going to be here for the next three, four years at all. He's an old man. He's probably got one year left in him when it comes to, to coaching at this level because he just doesn't seem that interested. But I'd also feel different about it, I think, if last year we were closer to, to competing at the top. Even though we survived by the end by nine points, it wasn't like we were a class team that underperformed all season and at the end he got it together and it felt like we could kick on next season. It feels like we were a terrible team. He came in, got us overperforming and by the miracles of all miracles, we stayed up by such a large amount. It's not that, in my opinion, that he thinks he can take us to the next level with what we've got. Pre-season starts in five or six days, and depending on when this podcast gets released, depending on how quickly I can be asked to edit it. But we've got no new players, so the team as it stands today is no better than it was at the end of last season. If anything, it's worse because people have left. So we've got a, le- a lower-quality team. But Warnock's agreeing to take it on for another year. I think it's a safe appointment. I think, um, depending on what Kevin Nagel's uh, financial views for the club are, for this next season, you know we're going to be safe. You know, even with Warnock there, if no new players come in, we're going to be okay. But it just seems quite strange for me for him to for him to want to take it on, really. That doesn't mean I don't want him here, not at all. Although there, I think there is something to be said of um, an exciting young manager that we've had a few times before and failed, I get it, but with a new owner, a, a new system from the off, that might have been something quite refreshing. But I, I guess we're going to get that next season anyway. Um, but I think there's just so much change coming this year which has been made pretty clear by both the ATT meeting and his, his press conference. I think there's so much change coming this year. The club just want a safe pair of hands to do the best they can with what they've got, see it through to the end of the season, and then and then go again next year. This is already a season of kind of just, not stagnation, but consolidation. So they can change things behind the scenes and crack on next season once Kevin Nagel and, and CEO Jake Edwards has seen what they want to change and, and how they're going to do it. So I think... It is a positive. It's absolutely a positive. And only gets us into a stronger position for the season to come. You know what you're getting, don't you? And I think another plus is your players like your Karomas, if he stays, Danny Wards. You're going to get more out of them with Warnock here. So we are going to get more out of what we've got, which is what you need when you're not necessarily going to be making loads of signings. It's a season of consolidation. One of the big bugbears about some of the fans at some of the other clubs that Neil Warnock's been at is that the, the, the football gets quite tiresome after a while and you kind of mid-table and you just have sort of a, you're not really going anywhere. But to me, that's what town need really at this moment in time is a is a solid mid-table season, no drama. You know, maybe maybe flirting with the playoffs in a, in a in an ideal world, but then ultimately sort of finishing mid-table and then just being able to use that as a platform to build the following season and kick on. Because what we've had is just season after season of boom or bust, which just isn't sustainable. And that's something that Kevin Nagel pointed out in his in his presser, which we'll talk about, that we, we need to have a, a proper infrastructure and a bit of, um, you know, just a bit of stability there. So so Neil Warnock's definitely going to bring that, hopefully. And um, and yeah, we'll we'll see. Players like Isaba Thomas's, you know, is he going to be revitalised under him? Who knows? Um, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, but um, but for for me it's um, it's great to have him around still. And like you say, guys, as well, it's just you, you know you're going to get a team that's going to give everything, and that's all we want really as fans, isn't it? You just you don't want to see a team turn up and just can't be asked and just just boring and 
last season, um, it was it was anything but under him. So hopefully that will continue. Uh, we've seen a couple of changes to the backroom staff since as well, haven't we? So I mean, Gaz Gaz is good that Bromby's gone. I know he shed a tear over it earlier, but um, I shed something, but it wasn't a tear. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then, but Clem guys, you know, I, um, I, I mean, guys, guys, been around a long time around town. He's, he's got, he's got such a good reputation within the game by all accounts. You know, every, any, everyone's heard of Clem, and um, in the in the goalkeeping world, his abilities, and he was instrumental in bringing Nichols here by all accounts, and really highly respected. I mean, he's going to walk into a job at another club. Um, if if he hasn't already, I I was a bit gutted that he's gone. I I can kind of see Neil one wanting people around that know what he's about, that he's worked with before, that he can just kind of leave to to get on with it, and they know exactly what he wants from them. But I, I always find it a shame to see these people that's been, you know, part of the fabric of the club move on, and um, and it's fine when it's there when it's their decision and. You know, sometimes they deserve to move on to other things, and 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 they make that decision, and that's fine. But I get the impression it was kind of a bit out of the blue, and uh, yeah, by judging by some of the reaction on social media, a lot of people were a bit upset about it. But obviously, wish him all the best, and um, and you know, go on record to thank him for everything he's done for us. And I'm sure he's going to succeed elsewhere, and hopefully, Ian Bennett can carry on carry on his good work. Well, it was odd because he seemed to, in the press he he was. Being implied, he turned down a chance to go join Wagner. I think wasn't it? Or was it Carlos or Wagner? One of them, anyway, wasn't it? Not not that many days before, but he was obviously settled, settled with his family. But you know, Neil's going to want his own team around him. It's not like Ian Bennett doesn't know the club either, is it? We've got somebody, another another one through the door who's got Huddersfield experience and knows what knows what we're about. So I'm on with you. I think every interaction I had with Clem, which was only a couple in person. And then what I've seen on Twitter, I I, I really liked him. Um, and I'm with you, Nick, you know, good luck to the lad. I'm, I'm sure he'll get another job. I don't think that'll be a problem. Not seen so, some people so upset since John Iger left when it comes to backroom staff. Or Joe Lolly. Or Joe Lolly yeah. even, yeah, that was, that was pretty upsetting for people. Look, thing is, it could be down to loads of things. It, maybe he spoke to Wagner before and maybe that upsets somebody. Maybe he's on more money than Ian Bennett's going to be on and, and they're looking at getting more coaches in different angles. It could be anything. Um, we, everyone knows Warnock likes his own men in, absolutely. But when it comes to it, football's a ruthless game. It is ruthless. If uh, Clem has any actual input into the improvement of Nichols coming as an MK one's back, MK Don's kind of backup keeper, wasn't he? When he came in, and it's not, was it MK Don's he came from as a backup keeper? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So being a bona fide star championship goalkeeper that he is, then you deserve nearly a, a plaque on the stadium for that alone. But look, he, at the end of the day, he's a goalkeeping coach. Um, it won't make that much of a difference when it comes to how well we do next season. I just don't think it will. Um, what's most important is how the coaching team works as a unit. And if Warnock thinks he can get more value out of whatever the reason is behind Clem not still being here, then um, I think considering what he did for the end of last season with just him and Ronnie by the look of it, I think we're all in with him. And um, it's always sad to see people go when they seem to have done a good job from afar. Um, but that's the nature of football. People move on all the time. Um, do, you, do you think that part of it is that, you know, that then gives Ronnie, uh, Ian Bennett and then and Carl Sarant, who I, obviously I don't really know much about, but he's worked for Warnock three or four times previously. So obviously they're obviously trusted lieutenants. And my guess is Warnock isn't going to be in Huddersfield seven days a week. Yeah. So 
you know, that, that's probably another reason for that structure is that he knows he can leave them to do the hard yards in between. He can turn up the day before a game, game after day after game, and then he can leave them to it in between, can't he, when we've got only got weekend games. So I'm, I'm with you. I, I can I completely get it. Um and you know, I, I guess the question is what part will any of those play if and when we replace them next season? My guess is probably none. So they'll all be on one year contracts. Yeah. But then I guess like even if you got a young manager in, I mean, look at look at the last two. How long did they last? Young up and coming managers, like you know, a few months. So I guess it doesn't matter, you know, a year's quite a long time in football now, isn't it? Really, as, as sad as that sounds. So I, I I think I think they'll do all right. I've I've got a feeling they'll I don't think we're gonna I uh, I'll be amazed if Neil Warnock thinks we can get up to the playoffs, but I think you know we, if we make a few additions, we should have a solid mid-table side, um, and and hopefully they can get the best out of some of these youngsters coming through because it's it's going to be make a break for some of them. I think this season now we've we've seen quite a lot of them, and now they're at an age where they need to be breaking into the first team. We've not made a lot of signings, Nick. But to be honest, when you look at the Championship transfer market, neither has anybody else. No, market's no. really stagnant. And we've got, you know, you have got Sober Thomas coming back and you've got Nakayama coming back. You know, they're two, if they're, if they're on, if, you know, if Nakayama's fit and Thomas has got his head in the game, uh, two championship quality players we've had to manage without for a season. So, you know, and, and I'm with you. I really, I'm hoping Neil gets one or two more of these kids into this team. And, and I think that will be a definite, a definite driver for him. Well, if Karoma does come back, which is, which is what the rumour is, is coming back, if you had like a, a three of, Karoma, Radoni and Sorba behind a new striker. That's all right, isn't it? It's not. It doesn't sound too bad if they if they play to the potential. But um, the problem is, as you know, like we we if you have tight squads, you get injuries, and um, and Town don't have the best record for injuries. Let Let's be honest. So my my only worry there is if we if we have a concentrated squad. <sighs> A few injuries, and we could be we could be struggling. Similar to what happened with Carlos, really. We were we were doing okay that first season. We were we were flying. We were doing all right. Got loads of injuries, and then we were looking to stay up. So the thing is, though, Nick, on that, I don't think when Warnock came back, he's pretty well known. His training isn't necessarily as um, fitness and data intensive as other other coaches are. I did, did we actually get as many injuries when he came back than we had beforehand? I think no, we did pretty well. Sensible, so yeah, yeah, he definitely takes a man man on man approach. Um, a man 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 approach, doesn't it? So he's, he he tailors the training for the player themselves rather than the group as a whole. It seems, and hopefully that leads to fewer injuries, so we can go with um, a bit of a tighter squad. But the young lads we had last year, we got also a year more experience. That they Rodoni by the end of the season looked like a different player. He's got another preseason in him, and hopefully he cracks on from where he finished off. Etienne Kamara is the same. Brahima Diara, these, the, uh, Heedley. There's so many players now that came into last season with either zero championship experience or very little. Very little even first-team football experience. And now we're going into the second season where they know what they're expecting. They'll probably change their entire diet, the, the way they prepare for games because they're a bit more used to it. And they'll be, they'll be ready to go, I think, a lot better than they were last season where they were kind of thrown in the deep end without realising they would be. They'll know exactly what to expect now. And I expect them all to improve somewhat. Whether it's going to be enough to drag us up that table alone without new signings coming in, I doubt that. I doubt that. But like you say, if we can get Sorba Thomas back, and Warnock seems the type of manager that can get players that aren't necessarily the most um, stable when it comes to the behaviours on the pitch. He gets them playing again. And Sorba Thomas is still the best attacking player we have at our football club. 
if one can get something out of him, it is like signing a new player. And I don't like that cliche. It's awful when people say that when they come back from injury. But Sober Thomas coming back alone will be like that. I thought Nakayama was fantastic as a left wing back or left centre back. He was all over the place. He caused so many problems when he attacked. Those two players, two out of uh, 10 outfield players, 20%. You're looking, it's such a big change when it comes to the quality of your squad. And, and, and them alone, with a few more games experience and years experience in the middle from, from guys playing all last season, will be a very big difference under Warnock's pre-season. So it is quite exciting to see how, how we go when the, the pre-season games get underway, what, in a couple of weeks. Who would you bring in then? So I think Neil Warnock said, did he say two or three, maybe four new signings to expect? Obviously, there may be some loans as well, potentially. But what areas do you think we need to strengthen? Because to me, a striker, is I think Jordan Rhodes would be on his way because he's just not a Neil Warnock type player, is he? Um, and looking at Tyree Simpson, Phillips, Arrow, I'm not sure. Arrow, I don't mind the look at, but I don't think any of them three are really capable of playing half a season. So we've obviously got Danny Ward. I think he'd be good back up. You know what you're getting with him. Good work rate, especially under Warnock. But I think we need another striker. I think we need another white player. I think we need a, a good passer of the ball in midfield. Someone can dictate play. Pick a pass, do a good set piece, as well as Sober. I'm probably a right back because, I mean, we've got Turton to come back at some point, but I don't think that's going to be straight away. I think that's going to be well in, into the season. So it leaves us a bit short at right back. So maybe four for me, but I don't, I don't think we need to make wholesale changes. I think we just need quality, don't we? We just need quality first teamers. We do, but quality costs. Quality costs money, doesn't it? I think we need a striker. We need a nine. Danny Ward worked at the end of the season, but even under Ward, you can't expect Danny Ward to be fit all season. And I think you've got to you've got to bring in a guy that can score goals. I think we need another another fullback. We had Pippa and Toffolo doing it, and I think Nakayama can probably fill in for one. But I still think we need a second. And then for me, two centre midfielders that we need to dominate possession in certain games. Maybe not every game. I'm not a guy that wants seventy percent possession to strangle games. We're not that team under Warnock. Warnock's not that manager. But we need to be able to to hold the ball a bit better and control games. Because um, Johnny Ogg, to me, is still, at the end of the season, had a bit of a bounce back. But over the course of the season before that, it looked like he's, he's aging, he's, he's dropping off a little bit. Kasumu was a great player. He is, and he will be as he, as he gets more experience at championship level. But I still think you need a couple more options in there to just to dictate games when when necessary. I thought we were pretty pretty weak there from time to time. But again, it could be the inexperience of Kamara and Diara when they had a few games and, and whatnot. But and Rodoni, I thought, were pretty light at the beginning, and by the end, he looked much better. But again, for me, I still think you need a couple of a couple of midfielders in there that can um, can really strengthen us through the centre. Yeah, I, I don't think either of you are far wrong. Eh? I think a, a blind man on a galloping horse knows we need a we need another striker and one that can score goals. The club have sunk, you know, half a million quid or whatever it is into Tyree Simpson. So there may be a view. Well, can we not see if he'll work first? We're being linked with this Harvey Nibs, aren't we? Is he Cambridge or Oxford? Or that's really poor research. Apologies, everybody. But you know, Harvey Nibs, uh, I've obviously been linked with him. So you know they've obviously got some feelers out, and, and I'm with you. And, and actually, I, I know the club's MO is to buy young, uh, young players with potential who could possibly increase in value. I actually think we need a, a late twenties, early thirties centre mid who can play 
and dict as you rightly say, dictate play, comfortable on the ball, can pass 30, 40 yards. You know, almost an Adam Clayton five years ago. That that's the kind of player that we need. Um, because you can't Ryan Hogg being fit a full season now either. He's another one that, as he's aged, the injuries have become more and more regular for him, haven't they? So, you know, I, I think, you know, in terms of attacking midfield, and I mean, you've got sixes, eights and tens. I mean, I don't know if I'm to just, I bought just being a midfielder. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I think that's what we need. We need somebody who's got the potential to burst into the box and get a goal, but but actually is comfortable on the ball and can dictate play. Because we haven't had one of them since Adam Moy left. So... No. You know, so we, you're right. In they're not cheap, but it's not like we need eight of these players. We probably only need two or three, and it might be that we have to go big on on wages for a one season deal with somebody to, to get him in the door with a bit of experience. But yeah, I, I think uh, I'm sure. And what are we call are we calling him Kev, Kevin, Mister Nagel? What what we're we going with, by the way? We're going we Kev. We've got to we're go with Kev. Aren't we? we're, we're going we're Kev. We're not yeah. very formal here. We're pretty oh. informal, so let, let's just All go right, with yeah. Kev. So that should that should probably be the title of the podcast. Are we going with Kev? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I'm fairly sure they're already over this. I think the one thing I have noticed with the way he's spoken about a lot of a lot of the uh, things associated with the club is he's doing research. He is he is researching. He's clearly a bloke that that likes to have the facts. Happy to pull the trigger on a quick decision. But based that on facts, which 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 I'm really encouraged by. Well, let's let's talk about him, guys, because it was confirmed last week, wasn't it? And then we've obviously had the presser on on Tuesday. I I was really impressed by him, but I, to be honest, I've been impressed by him from the outset because he showed more communication than what we've seen in the last two years, and he's only been he's only been around for <laughs> for a month or two. Um, I like the way that he takes the time. To engage with the fans, and I know, I know, like it's some fan, uh, moaning, like oh, stop messaging him on on Twitter, etc. And oh, it's it's fine now, but when it goes sour, he'll be getting all this that, and the other. And but I really like it. I like that he's taking, he's making an effort. He's making an effort to get to know the fan base to to engage because he knows he's not going to be here a lot of the time. So the only way that he can really engage with the fans regularly is through social media, and it's and I think that's really good. That's because a lot of owners just don't make an effort like that. He's done his research. He said, guys, he, he wants to know as much about the club as possible. I think I saw somewhere he'd gone to the Albert the other, other day as well. He'd, you know, he, all this about the medals and, and what. And it's all, it's, it's, he's really making an effort to get to know the history of the club. Get into the, you know, to the the mindset of the fans, what the fans want. He's, he's, make, he's made a big effort to try and gather as much information about what the fans want out of them as an as an ownership, um, so I, I I was really encouraged. And then his his presser, I thought he came across really well, confident. Is 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 he comes across as a grafter, you know, sees himself very much as a as an underdog, and he sees parallels with us and Sacramento in that we're kind of sort of working class type. Um, town sort of in the shadow maybe of some of the some of the bigger clubs of the other cities but not afraid to be ourselves impose ourselves and fight and it was very clear on I mean with these things you you never get straight you know answers and all the information that you'd want it just doesn't happen but I I thought it was open as much as it could have been it was clear on the objectives short medium and long term 
he addressed a lot of the issues, what the fans had said about the stadium, about the food and beverages, the match day experience. He pointed out the fact that say the, the club has had periods of instability and it was all about building an infrastructure, getting the infrastructure right so we can have that foundation to build on and then slowly build momentum and push towards the Premier League, hopefully. And I really like that he'd, he'd obviously thought about it, done his research. I mean, you know, the, the guy's a successful man. A successful businessman do the research. And he'd researched the fact that, you know, just spending money doesn't necessarily equate to success. And whilst I know a lot of the fans will be clamouring just to put money into the first team, it's all about getting everything right behind the scenes, getting everything in place and using that to slowly then build your team, build it up to a point where you can not just get promotion, but actually you're in a position where you can hopefully stay up rather than just zig that up and down, up and down, up and down. So, yeah, I was I was really impressed. I thought it came across really well. Um, and um, and I'm actually quite... I'm actually quite enthusiastic and and opti- you know optimistic about about the future of this guy and I and I certainly think you know he's got the best interests of the club at heart. At the end of the day, he's a businessman. He's going to want to make money, but I, I also see somebody that wants to help the community, not not just about making money, but you know seeing it for what it is, which is a community asset and and wanting to help the community of Huddersfield as a whole, like what he's done in Sacramento, getting involved in the charity work, et cetera, that, that Dean was so good at. So, so yeah, so from, from my point of view, I was really impressed and cautiously optimistic about, about the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Nick. I think he's clearly, and in some ways this is a similarity to Dean, although some people who, who seem to have a, a problem with Dean might not agree. He's not driven by ego. You know, he came across... Really, really relaxed. He used great language, which is surprising for an American because they can't even spell colour. So, you know, he used, but he, his use of language and the way he phrased the answer to the questions were really good. He was really professional, which I, I really liked. And God, God, Lord, you you guys must be sick about sick of me hearing banging on about standards. And you know, I, I've got one beef. He keeps calling it Hudders Town. Town. I think as a cat say Huddersfield, Californians struggle with the field a bit, which is quite amusing. Um, but I, he was good. I, I also like the fact he was quite humble, Nicky. He had done his research and he, he was honest enough to say he's appreciated how, you know, that the UK standards of football is much higher than what he's been used to in the States. You know, that his acceptance of that, dif- accepting of that difference that he knows he needs to learn and his team needs to learn around the dynamics. He talked about the salary differences, for example. So he's already switched on to the, the financial element of those differences, but then talked to, he, t- he talked about synergies, but also talked about competition, which I really liked. You know, he talked about um, using both clubs as a vehicle to support the other, especially Sacramento, you know, being able to use the scouting networks that Huddersfield are going to employ to be able to improve his other clubs. So I really liked all of that. And he was really honest about it as well. That wasn't, that didn't feel hidden or or, or underhand. He was really open about that, which I liked. Um, the ground thing, I'm a unit, you know, music to my ears. His exact words were, my, my primary objective is to improve the fans' experience. Well, that that's fucking beautiful. And he talks about the beer and the food and the merch. And obviously before we came on, we were talking about the merch and you go on the website, you look at the way that's presented, the quality of what it is they're selling, much better than we are already at. And I think the fresh pair of eyes him and his team are going to bring 
means they can look at this stuff without all of the hang-ups the previous management had around, well, well, you can't really put it there, and, well, we've got this here, and, well, that's just too difficult, so we don't do that, we leave as it is. There's none of that. He's coming in with a completely fresh pair of eyes. Um, and, and I think that, that was reflected in the way he talked about the, the fact that Ground's a community asset. He talked up the fans, Nick, you're right, and I thought it was really smart the way he talks up the fans and the relationship, how people have treated him uh, and, and and so on. The, he also did, the, I did have a little smile when he had a, a very sly dig about um, the financial strength of the previous owner when he, when he was talking about the level of depth the EFL had gone into the into the analysis on him. You know, they looked at his personal financial position, uh, and he sort of said, "You know, there'll be, there'll be no repeat of previous previous issues." Um, uh, I don't know if it was Stephen Chicken or or um, or Oggy that asked the question about whether whether the club was debt free, and, and clearly it is. But he was also honest enough to say. But it won't be. Well, I'm here because he's he's obviously going to turn his 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 money injection. He's going to want that back at some point. He was honest with that. But obviously, it was interesting. We talked about a payment on promotion to Dean. So there's obviously a bit of a caveat if you get. Oh, I want some of me forty mil back. And, and then, sorry, I, I realise I'm wrong. But then the last thing really I was also encouraged about was was uh, he also had a, a, talked about the academy and talking about engaging young people in the local area and making them want to play for the club and be proud of the club and. And, and I understand all the reasons that the club did away with the academy a few years ago. They can make complete sense by that. I, I didn't dispute one one problem, but it, it, it what it I think what he picked up on was it's the intangibles, the intangible having an academy and tying in you know the local people, the local kids, the local community. Whether they make it or not to a point isn't the point. It's about everybody feeling part of it. And 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 I'm with the unique. I'm massively impressed with him so far. Proof of the puddings in the eating and all that. But when you look at what he's done at Sac Kings and Sacramento Republic, the guy's got a track record you can point to, which is which is what you can't say for the previous owner and what you can't say for some of the Americans who have bought other clubs in the UK to press. So I, I'm with you. I thought I thought it was a masterclass of a press conference. I really did. The academy stuff is what we've spoken about on here time and time and time and time again. And how important it is for the town like Huddersfield to for so many different reasons, like like you said, it's not just about eventually playing for town. It's about knowing your neighbour down the road who plays for Town Academy. So you've got more of an affiliation with a local football club. It's more than just a financial aspect of it. Um, and just getting that little bit, I think, tells you everything about him you need to know. I think that alone is enough. You can just listen to that and he gets it. Um, I'll be honest, Nick, you, you said something about um, Kev, Kev, best mates now. Wasn't Kevin? He's tweeting people and, and people getting a bit upset with it. I'll be honest. At first, when I saw it, I thought he got a little bit twee. I thought it was a little bit. Is it? It's a bit fake, isn't it? This like this can't be him. Surely you've got some PR guys behind this, and it's a little bit. I don't know. It felt a bit. Didn't think you were Sandra, did you? Oh no, it's not Sandra. I know. <laughs> I actually know Sandra is. To be honest, that's a little bit of a snippet there, but I won't announce that. But it's not. It's not Kev, and it's not me, and it's not me and no one here. But no, I, I just thought it was just a bit weird. It kind of went on for so long. We hadn't heard anything from him and we couldn't hear anything from him because obviously there's going to be NDAs. There's going to be all sorts of, when the sale was going on that we couldn't he couldn't talk about it. But he could he could just do a little bit of thing like wait for this, wait for this. Very American, isn't it? Kind of that delaying gratification. It's coming, it's coming, it's going to be good, it's going to be good, it's going to be good. Let's just wait. I'm like, all right. But obviously I was will, I will lucky enough um, to go to the ATT meeting on Monday 
uh, on Monday night. Now, I've not actually seen the presser on Tuesday. So the only only info I've got from that is what you guys have just told me now. But on Monday, I went down to the ATT meeting because I do I, I'll, I'll do a little bit with HGSA. And now um, they asked me to go. Because they, they tried to arrange it on very short notice. And the original plan was Jake, the CEO, Jake Edwards, would be there. And, and we could ask him some questions. And we wrote an agenda out and sent it to the club. And fair enough, when we got to the meeting, the agenda we, we put to the club, as the HGSA, um, had every question and we asked them to. So this is, I'm actually doing something I wouldn't have actually done before. This week I received my first trolling online from uh, from Twitter about going to the ATT meeting. And I'm going to read it out. This is a deleted tweet and I won't name who it is because I don't know legally if I can do it if they delete the tweet, right? But this is, this is my Father Ted's moment standing up there going, hey, listen to this, right? Hang on. It was in regards to the people going to the, HG, the ATT meeting. No, here it is. The ATT group apparently represents about 5% fan base, carefully selected members, safe questions and pandering to the club to keep their foot in the door for years, never seen them hold the club to account. Now that came to me after I'd been on Monday and I what? No, I, no one asked me. The club didn't know I was going. I was going to HSC. They had no idea I was going. No one said I couldn't go. And, and, and to be fair, some of the questions put towards Kevin that time was unbelievable. They were about as direct as you could get. And I didn't expect that. I thought it would be a bit close. So I kind of understand that view. But let me tell anyone listening, the the ATT questions that were put to Kevin on, on Monday were everything anyone could have asked for. I couldn't think of another question to put to him that wasn't put to him on that day. And he was fantastic. He was open. Now, initially it was supposed to be Jake Edwards. So DTS came in, started the meeting. And and said it was like it was quite it was quite amazing actually. He said, unfortunately, Jake can't be here. He got stuck in Miami because the flights were um struggling, I think, in America with some storm. Anyway, he goes, but would you have a different guest? And it was like Santa Claus coming in. It's like, oh, who's this guest coming in? Who is it? Anyway, Kevin walks in, everyone starts to collapse him. I'm clapping like it's Santa Claus. We're all losing our heads a little bit here, thinking, oh, this is gonna be all right, yeah. Anyway, so he came in, sat down, he spoke a little bit, came across really, really well. It took about two minutes for me to think the Twitter conversations that Kev has with town fans are genuine. Straight away, he's a, he is a genuine bloke. Now, there was a, an entourage of three or four people with him. I think it was PR guys. There were a couple of camera guys that I'm suspecting are doing the documentary that we saw the um, the 20-minute one. I, I guess they're working on that. Very, very professional from the off. Straight away, the room changed from something that my interactions with town up until now have always felt a bit small club a bit a bit like we are a local club and i know that that kind of helped our wagner season that we're all together and under dean all that's kind of how how as a club we were but straight away the modernization of Huddersfield town had begun in that one meeting you could feel it change and it was refreshing obviously i work in marketing most people work professional jobs have some sort of interaction with communications and marketing departments and straight away i thought it was it was an improvement i thought it felt quite important all of a sudden um but again Kevin was great. He spoke a little bit about himself, about his history, about Sacramento. It was this, that, and the other. And then we moved to the agenda. And for every question, he answered it as honestly as he could. And now what I was most impressed with was, again, as you said in some of the press, some of the questions he were asked, such as the academy. He did speak about being interested in opening the academy again. To what level, though? And he was open on that. He says, I don't know. I've just got here. We'll talk to Jake about that. But the admission of not actually knowing the answer perfectly to something is fucking refreshing when it comes to football ownership especially at our club, because we haven't had that for a long, long time. But he was willing to be humble enough to accept that he doesn't actually know, that he'd talk to the right people, that would get an answer later on, that we'll get there, but they didn't know. And to me, somebody admitting that they don't know something was more important than professing or pretending that they do. And now that's what we had last time around, wasn't it? Not with Dean Oil, but we know, we know from before. Um, 
And then second, then what happened is there was a bit of a talk between some questions were answered and next minute, um, obviously Kevin's bought the, the, is it, is it Tom Wilson? Is it Tom Wilson's medals? Is that what it is? Or Tom Watson, Tom Wilson medals from, from 1922, 24, 25, 26 for the club. And he had them there. He got them out of the box and he's passed them around the entire table. So I've had in my hands the 1922 FA Cup winner's medal, the 1924, 1925 and 1926 league uh, championship medals. And they're fantastic pieces of history for the club out there. And, and he understood how important it was. Everyone there understood how important it was. And again, it just felt like change was happening. Like it feels like we are going in a new direction here. And it's a direction that people have clamoured for for years. Whether the fans as a whole are ready for it, I don't know. Um, but it, it felt very different straight away. It felt professional. It did feel American. Now, some of the questions, some of the answers um, in regards to match day experience, a lot, a lot was said about that. Um, the hope of getting people into the stadium earlier, because obviously, if you get people into the stadium earlier, they're more likely to spend more money, which helps the profitability of the club, which allows the club to spend more money on players, and then the playing side improves. But again, that's a very that's, to me that's something that's a more of an American mindset when it comes to football than than English, because it just doesn't seem to be spoken about in the same way. But and after match day entertainment might be a bit better. Might have. We might have not only spinny penalties, we might have that where you kick it into car boot or win something from, from 50 yards. Maybe we're doing something like that. But it was just, it was just, it was very refreshing. It feels like to me that we are definitely getting a club that isn't what we're used to. And, and that's what's coming. Yet at the same time, it felt like you say, going to the Albert today and, or yesterday, sorry, and seeing people at the ticket office going to the Yorkshire Air Ambulance, doing all these little things. He just gets it. He gets, he gets what it is to be a football owner. And like you say, guys, maybe. That's because his own Sacramento Republic, of whom I am wearing their shirt, having been given a freebie out at the end of the uh, meeting the other day. It's like on the good guys where Will Ferrell and uh, Mark Wahlberg are, are trying to take it and, and complain about something and getting bought off and getting a free ticket to the basketball. Kev could be awful and I'd be all in on this. This shirt's really nice. But jokes aside, he was fantastic. He, he, was, he was so, so nice. Um, and the Cowshed Loyal guys were there. There were three lads from them representing the Cowshed Loyal. And they put every question to him you could imagine asking. Um, the questions about, and advice such as like, we just want to win. We don't care about match day experience. There was, there was a comment around about not really caring about what the match day experience is. And what really matters is winning. Because if we're not winning on the field, it doesn't actually matter what the, what, the, what the stuff off the field is, really. English football fans are different. We care what matters on the pitch more than anything else. And we can't oversee that. And Kevin responded to that with just what, what do you not think I want to win? I'm here to win. And just that alone, it was just two sentences where it just answers the question and puts everyone's mind at ease. Dean Oyle had that ability. When things went wrong, Dean Oyle was, came out with a press conference or he came out with a meeting, like an ATT meeting or just something just to just to tamper, tamper um, attitudes and behaviours. And, and to me, already, Kevin's got that. And yet maybe that's me being... I don't know, inexperienced or naive and, and not expecting an American owner to become to, to come over and be like that straight away. But he is. It, it, it's unbelievable. Now, there is going to be a learning curve because I don't think the vitriolic nature of football fans is experienced anywhere else in the world in any other sport. I don't. And what will really shape the ownership of Kevin Nagel is when things go wrong initially, when the vitriolic comments are thrown at him, how he, the CEO, Jake Edwards, and the club as a whole responds to that. That's going to be the litmus test. And it will come. It comes to all football clubs eventually. It might not be this season. We might fly. It might not be next season. Eventually it'll come. And it's whether you sink or swim at that moment. 
And you don't really know what it's like until that moment arrives. So I can't promise it's going to be fantastic forever. Who knows? But when you look at what he's produced, what he's said so far, and the honesty that he's, he's forthcoming with, it's refreshing. And it's given me a level of excitement going into this season already, even though we've signed no players. It feels like a new era at town, and a new era where the commercial side of it and the professional, the professionalism of the backroom staff and, and, and the things that goes on behind the scenes is going to be really important. And I think that's going to set a precedent for the playing team. And I think as a whole, it can only get better when you're taking it that way. And it, it, I, I couldn't be more excited having, having spoken to him, having worn the Sac Republic shirt that I now have. The, the, the free Sac Republic shirt. It's and last year's. Gonna, it is last year's. And it's honestly, like, if people are going to call you out on Twitter, it shouldn't be. That, it shouldn't be that you don't ask the difficult questions. It should be that why well, come you got a free shirt and I didn't? If anybody's going to call you out, oh, I just, I, I don't know. I just must look good in it. Maybe that's what it is, guys. Yeah. It's a size small. There's not many small. There's not people. Well, I, I will get in that. Well, let's be honest. So, well, that's a, can I just pick you on something you said? So, just listen to what you said. That I was really, I found that really interesting, but. You said something about the are the fans ready for it? What what do you mean by that? Americanization of football at Huddersfield Town. It's going to come, and I, I I think cheap season tickets. That's a Yorkshire thing. Is it American thing? If we're more successful, what's going to happen there? There's so many things. Dean Oil ran the club a bit like it felt like a bit like Card Factory, didn't it? A bit more kind of lower, not lower in quality on the pitch, but more people there by selling cheaper season tickets. I think we're going into a we need to make more money. We need to make more money so the playing, the playing team can be better, and that doesn't necessarily always mean cheap season tickets. That's not that's not me saying that I think we're definitely going to have more expensive season tickets. I just think we're going to be far more money driven, and um, less focused on if fans are upset. If at the end of the day we make more money, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad way to go when it comes to professional football because it is cutthroat. It, it, it is. I, I mean, and maybe that when you look at Jake Edwards' background, the guy he's appointed, you know, he revolutionised the the way the is it the NLS that they're in the way the USL is it USL USL whatever it is you know how that was marketed and how that was run and how that was managed and how it generated revenue he completely revolutionised that that league so you can see where you can see where this thought process has got in and and I think. I, my worry I'm with you is if we have a bit of a dodgy patch, people are going to be complaining we've not signed any players, we're trying to do it on the chat. I can just hear the, the comments. But what you can't say is you can't say he hasn't been totally upfront about it. Exactly. And I think that's all I think that's all I want anyway as a football yeah. fan. And and I, agree, I, I think that's it. I, I think as long as you're honest about it, as a as a grown adult, you can accept it or you can walk away if you don't want to be a part of it. And that's what people have. I think when people try and mislead you by saying one thing and doing the other which we've experienced, that's a very different thing. He's very, very honest about it. And, and, and I just, I like it. I just like it. Honesty to me is more important than anything else. I'm happy to fail with somebody if, they, if, if at least they're honest. At least they've given it a go and they've tried their hardest and they've told you what they're doing and they've done what they've said they're going to do. If it don't work, it don't work. Football's cyclical. You can't be great forever. There are bad seasons and good seasons. But honesty can be there 100% of the time. But it, ain't, it just ain't normal, is it? And And... He's only been here for a few days, but he said more positive things. I've taken more positivity out of what he said, even though what he's saying might not necessarily be the great. I don't think any of us now are expecting him to to spend millions or to be in Europe in two years. What, what was that? We want to we want to be in Europe after Phil Hodgkinson came in. 
We'll add that. He, he, he's saying, I know it's going to be hard. We can't compete with budgets and Manchester United at top six in Premier League. It's more or less a closed shop. We can't do that. But we can we can give it a go and we can we can look at an academy. We can he said a lot of clubs in the championship overinvesting, a poorly invest in certain players and don't get a good return. And that's true, isn't it? It is it's fact. That's what happens. So I'm not expecting him to go splash millions on player after player after player after player, which I guess some simple-minded football fans would want, right? I guess people want that, regardless of how unrealistic it is when you come to financial fair play, whether clubs even follow that anymore or not. But the honesty of him is all we can ask. And and if if this is how it goes, he comes in, he professionalises the club with better branding, better messages, consistent stuff, and let's say better merchandise like this top, and then he leaves in a few years, and 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 we ain't got we ain't settled with debts, but but he's he's brought the club forward off the field, fantastic. What it, that, that that's enough for me. That's enough for me alone. I don't want the club. I want the club to be run at break even model. Of course, I want the club to be here for the next hundred years. I don't want boom or bust. So a break even model isn't a problem for me. An academy side looking at bringing youth players in to try and improve and, and then sell on and, and make money from them, and then reinvest that money into the playing squad to try and improve it that way. That's I'm all for that as long as it comes with honesty. And that's what I think we're going to get with him. Um, and I, I couldn't, I could not be more excited. Have you watched the nine minute YouTube video thing? Cause I think I'm with you. I think, I think he's very honest, but what was also interesting is that he's also, you know, that he's trying to make sure that Sac Republic win the league. They shall win the, whatever they call it, call it the league, the championship, whatever it is. You know, he's realized between him and the CEO and, and the coach that they're short, and actually what they're doing is he's now he's now saying, well, I know if we put that in there, I've got the confidence the team I've got can get me the, the result, which is I'll finish top. So he is clearly willing uh, to, to I, don't, I don't use the word gamble, but he is willing to, if he thinks there's an investment and it's going to do right and we're going to get a return, I think he will. You know, I, I'm not sure it's going to be this season because I'm not sure Warner, I'm not, I'm not sure even Warnock can get us into the playoffs. But if a year down the line or two years down the line, we're within touching distance in January... And we need to we need that bit you know that bit of something to get us over the line. I can imagine him going, no, fuck it, let's do this. Uh, yeah, I'm more confident in is it even if we, so if we're down at the bottom or near the top and it comes to January, I'd be more confident with him that we are actually going to do something about it. Um, I mean, the thing is with town, like we're never going to be a top six Premier League side, are we? we, we you got to look at. You look at the revenue that we get. I mean, people moaning about Leicester City. Oh, they're going to spooge £10 million on this play and they're going to spend that. But they've just sold a player for £40 million. They look at the revenue that a club like that generates through sales of shirts, etc. They're way above us. So you can't complain if we've got some of the lowest price season tickets. We hardly sell any merchandise. We hardly sell any food and drink. And yet, we, you know, we've got one of the lowest budgets in in the league. Well, well, yeah. You know, we, we, even if the bloke wanted to come and spend two hundred million quid into the first team, you can't because of the restrictions of financial fair play. But the more revenue we generate, then the more we're going to be able to, you know, be allowed to spend. So, to me, it it can only be a good thing to get all these improvements in. I mean, it's going to be tough. Like looking at the stadium, it's aesthetically it's great. You know, it, it looks amazing as a stadium. It's beautiful. But practicality-wise, it's just not practical at all. Like I, I sit in the um, riverside lower, and it's it's like a rabbit warren in there. There's there's no room to move hardly, and you, you know you try the 
there's no point trying to get a get a drink at half time because you never you never get there. You know, it's it's that's going to be a challenge. You know, some areas you've got a decent sized concourse and you could maybe have people with sort of like barrels on the back serving drinks or a bit more accessible, like they're doing rugby and um, and American football and. But there's going to be quite a lot of practicality issues with the with the stadium, and it's I don't think it's going to be a there's one or two maybe quick fixes, but I think a lot of it isn't going to be quick fixes. It's going to take it's going to take quite a bit of time to try and sort out. But it's encouraging that at least having these conversations and wanting to do these things because these are the things that we've been said we've needed for years, and and just nothing's changed. And until we get more revenue, we we can't spend any more on the on the first team. So. That's where it's got to start. I, I completely agree with the ethos. Get get that sorted. Get better quality merchandise produced because you're right. Their merchandise is way superior to ours. So if we can get the quality on a par with theirs, then we're going to sell more merchandise, make it more accessible, develop the area around the stadium. I don't know whether there's any plans to to purchase that rope walk. Maybe and turn that into a bit of a fan bar. I think, Maybe that's... Uh, I think Nick, somewhat we said about um, looking at some sort of entertainment venue for whatever reason, because that's it in it now. Football clubs today need to make more money to be successful. You have to make more money itself. You can't just pump money in. You can't do it anymore as an owner. The club has to do it itself, and that's that's what I'm excited about. I think I think that's the thing. It's monetizing around the football club to then put the money back into the team. That's what we're after, and that seems very clear to me. That that's what Kevin Kevin's looking at, but yeah, they, they're definitely speaking about um, looking at some sort of venue for uh, for entertainment stuff. But like Muse, I think there were thirty five thousand people at Muse the other day. Yeah, a couple of them a year. I don't know what the, what it brings to the stadium, um, but it's going to help, isn't it? It's one hundred percent going to bring more money into the club, and it's just things like that. You, I, I think it's it's not just about selling players anymore. It's about increasing um, revenue elsewhere so you can invest more into. Um, your weekly your weekly play budget. Well, he said that Ian as well. He's, he's mentioned the concerts in his press conference, and he said, you know, you could have you could have six to eight of those. You, you know, you've got all those people, and again, it's a chance to make. And if if they manage to purchase a stadium, if they do manage to get their hands on it, obviously that's going to give them more freedom to sort these things out. And and the amount of revenue you can generate from those, obviously, that's really going to help. So, you know, hopefully. He did say in the president was going to have conversations about trying to purchase a stadium, and he said that nothing was off the table with regards to getting the stadium. So hopefully, hopefully they can sort that out, and then it will allow them to do more things in and around the stadium, and um, and have more concerts and things just to generate a bit more revenue. I mean, there was the old HD One project that never really happened, was there? I mean that was I think I think there was some cable cars at one point going from the town centre into the around to the stadium, like in the initial plans it was mental ideas, but you know, th- there's definitely potential there, you know, to develop the area. It's it's a nice area, it just it's got potential, it just needs someone to realise that and, and, and help. So you know, it's uh, it's exciting times. It's exciting times and I like the YouTube, I like the uh the documentary. Um you know, behind the scenes documentary. I I loved how professional it was. You compare that to the old um, canal side reveal video. <laughs> it was a bit um, chalk and cheese, really, wasn't it? But again, though, it's you know, some people you know were moaning about that, saying, "Oh, it's it's really cheesy." And but again, it's just it's just a chance to have a little behind the scenes look, just to get to know him 
as a person and an owner. And it's just a little window into it that, you know, you, you wouldn't get with most owners. And I, I thought it was a really good way of facilitating that. So again, I, I really like that idea. The club needs to change. To get to progress from where we are, it needs to make more money. And to do that, it needs to change. People that are unwilling to change, sceptical assholes, they're the vocal minority, I think Dean Earl always spoke about. I thought it was fantastic. Although 10 days to buy a club is ridiculous, isn't it? It is absolutely ridiculous if that's what it's taken to buy. Although, of course, we'll have to see what the other episodes are like to, to get the back shower and, it or so and everything. But I love it. Absolutely. More, more, more insight into our club, the better. I, I look, it is our club. It's not his club. And that's another thing I really like about him. He's not the owner. He's the custodian. You keep telling me, oh, that's magic to my ears, Kev. You keep telling me the custodian, not the owner. I'll love you forevermore just for that alone. It's fantastic. It's just nice to get, see him. And, and, and the thing is, another thing that really kind of resonates well with me is you don't really find anyone anywhere speaking badly of him. I've not seen anything. N- nothing online, nothing what he's done at Sacrament. Sac Republic it is, actually. Sac Republic is what we Sac Republic fans call him. Um, that's what Kev could call him. Um, but no, I thought, it was fun. I, thought, I, thought, I thought the documentary is good. I can't wait to watch the next one. And even if it weren't town, even if it was a different club, I'd want to watch it. I think that's a barometer, isn't it? We'd watch shite. We'll watch Mark Devlin showing us a green cryo chamber because it's town. We'll watch Devlin talk about this fantastic gate structure or whatever the fuck it was. But when it, but, when, but that documentary was good, was good on its own. And I can't wait to see the rest of it. And like I said, I think they were filming for it when we were down there Monday. So I might make a, like making an appearance. Well, Who knows? You know, well, joke, joking apart, I mean, that, this is another way. They're just testing whether there's... A, my, I think they're testing whether there's revenue in this. Get it on YouTube. You know, if it, if it grew legs and, and, and suddenly went viral and got a million views, that's going to earn them 50 grand. Was anything no. said on the um, presser about other investors coming in? No. Was it, ever, no. Was it asked to him? Not at all. Oh, by the way, I've just Googled Sacramento Republic's nickname is The Quails. Oh, the big quail. What team were that, Gaz? Sack Republic. Sack Republic. Sorry. Sack Republic. Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah. According to the Google, which obviously is is always always factually correct, uh, their nickname is either Republic. um, I don't. I'm not keen on that one. Or the Quails. Quail Terriers. That's what that's what we all are now, aren't we? But no, when it comes to investment, it it was put to him by the cowshed lawyer a lot. Um, I might be there. Someone put it to him anyway about because when he when he came to Sac- when he went to Sacramento, he looked to get another investors in to be able to put enough money together to get an MLS bid in. And I think if I remember correctly, I might be wrong here. Again, Google's my friend usually. Um, COVID kind of knackered that all up, so they, he kind of messed it all up when it came to finding the um, investors to to get the MLS expansion bid put in or, or for it to be successful. So then that was put to him, and he said no. We're going through. He said something to the effect of, "We're going through through so much change. We've got so much to do, especially initially. I like on my own, but then later on, who knows?" Um, so I didn't know if that was that was brought in the press. But it sounded very Dean Oily when he said, "No, I don't play." What did Dean Oil say? I don't play with other people or something. It was quite a uh, quite a comment like that. But that that was put to him because I thought that was a good, I thought that was a good question considering what happened to Sacramento. But um, yeah, just thought I'd just throw that in there for a little bit of depth. Yeah, they never asked that in the press. They should have been in press room, really. Answered more, asked more. Well, that's it, Nick. No, it was good. It was good because he had no, there was no, the PR guys were there, but no one was interfering and he was happy to answer anything. And yeah, whoever tweeted me earlier on. So there you go. Anything you can imagine us asking was asked 
and he answered it really, really fairly. And if he didn't know, he didn't know, and he was open with that too. But the, the investment thing was was definitely thrown at him if there was anyone else with him. Great stuff. It's exciting times, and um, it's more exciting when we get some signings in. But um, but no, I think I've I think I've got a good feeling about it. You know, you get a feeling pretty much straight away when an owner comes in, how they're going to be. And the feeling I've got now is completely different to to the last, not Dean, but the, you know I'm talking about, to the other owner that came in. And I think it's going to be a long-term project. I think fans are going to have to be patient. That That's the key thing because I don't, you know, you know what some fans are like. They want instant success. And sometimes you've got to look past that and you've got to see the bigger picture. And, you know, you look at your teams like Luton, etc. And it's a long-term project. And it's going to take some building. There's a lot of things to sort out, but I'm I'm confident that they can, you know. And and what I did like as well is that I think I can't remember what you all guys said. You know, he's happy to admit when you know he's not the expert. So a lot of the questions is like, oh, you know, I'll I'll let you know the um, the directors do what they need to do, the managers manage, trainers train. You know, he's he's not someone that's just going to interfere with everything. He's going to let the people that know what they're doing get on with it, and he's happy to he's happy to delegate. And he's he's a guy that gets the right people in for the job, and yeah, I'm um, yeah, I, I I really like it. It's promising, promising. But we're uh, it's getting late, lads. Is there anything else that we want to talk about before? No, I think I don't um, want to talk about anything. But I just I just I know. I, I know Kev doesn't listen to this listen to this podcast. I'm fairly sure Dean doesn't, but I think I just want to. I'll put officially on my record that my thanks to Dean Oil, who made made an old man's dreams come true. Something happened to me that I never thought I'd see happen. So it is the start of a new era and and, and the end of another. And uh, it wasn't always smooth, but I have to say I proper enjoyed it while he was around. So I'm hoping Kev brings us just as much joy. Yeah, I'll second that. Right, a uh, massive thank you to Dean. I never thought I'd see us in the Premier League, and he uh, he gave us that reality. So, you know, more certainly more highs and lows, and um, I think he can look back with pride on what he accomplished. And um, I hope he's I hope he's in good health now. And um, and yeah, I think he's he's passed it on to uh, to a good bloke. Who'll hopefully, continue his good work. Right, everybody. So. I think the next time we'll uh, we'll be on. Hopefully, we've made some signings and we'll be building up to the new season. So we'll do a few. Um, we'll do a bit of a of a season preview and some predictions, so we can all get it wrong again. But uh, but thank you very much, guys. Ian, we'll um, we'll see you all again soon. Take care.